on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Tonight, they say there's no substitute for experience. Well, if that's the case, you're in for a treat. It's the golden oldies in charge. Welcome to the Mick and Tony Show, otherwise known as the renowned Radio Newark Sport. And as we do every Thursday, we're going to start with some of the stories that's made me and him chuckle this week. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp believes snow on the Anfield pitch contributed to the frustrating night for his Premier League leaders as they were held to a draw by mid-table Leicester City. It was hardly a mark on the pitch. Chelsea manager Maurizio Sarri says he conceded, maybe I am not able to motivate these players after the Blues suffered their heaviest defeat for 23 years. Write your own P45 or whatever it's called there. Nottingham Forest are delighted to announce the signing of Pele. <laughs> it's signed from the French club AS Monaco. I tell you what, if you've got a name like Pele, you've got to be half decent. You really have. <laughs> a tweet from the Central Midlands side Renishaw Rovers before last Saturday's match. Our home support are back from holiday. And we've convinced the bloke at the local chippy to come down. So we expect a good crowd. Brilliant. Should Notts County be relegated from the Football League? Nottingham Forest will become the oldest club still in the Football League. I think I might have mentioned that one this week. Peterborough United um, manager Steve Evans and assistants Paul Rayner have been released from their contracts with immediate effect. The replacement, back for the third time at the club, Darren Ferguson. You can't write some of this. Accrington Stanley boss John Coleman has admitted he is rapidly falling out of love with football after his side were dumped out of the FA Cup by Derby County. And in an emotional post-match rant, Coleman attacked the officials for making a series of horrendous decisions which he felt cost the league one side. Physically sick, to be honest, I'm rapidly falling out of love with football. I just wonder, what's the point anymore? Every week you get stuffed by an horrendous decision and today is no different. Yes, mate, I think we've probably all been there on that one. The last player sent off in a Premier League match while playing against Newcastle was Bradley Johnson. The year? 2014. You see, I saw the Premiership didn't like Newcastle. And I'll give you another couple, Tony, before we have a chuckle about them. Atletico Madrid have confirmed the signing of Aravo Amota from Chelsea on an 18-month loan deal. The Spaniard has struggled at Chelsea since joining from Real Madrid last summer for 60 million quid. And this was Monday when I put this one down. He becomes Chelsea's 42nd loanee of the season. 42 players out on loan from Chelsea. And that was Monday. What it's like now on deadline day, I... I dread to think. Well, I can't understand why Manchester City and Chelsea actually have an academy. No. You know, but, but why? They don't need the money, so it's not so they can be a selling club and get some funds in that way. But um, they just create these outstanding players and then sell them to uh, Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund. Why? And these kids at Chelsea are, just, are still sitting there on the bench. They're never going to get a chance because uh, he's, he'll bring <coughs> Higuain in. That Christ knows how much at twenty-nine years old. Give the youngsters a yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, well, 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 if, if I was the uh, centre forward in the Chelsea academy or Chelsea reserves or under twenty-ones or whatever they do these days, and the club went out and paid. 60 million for uh, basically a has been that had done well at Sarri's previous club but has done nothing recently. I think, well, what's the point? You know, I, I just cannot understand why clubs like that have academies. 
There's going to be an awful lot of football tonight because, of course, it is deadline day and we're, and we're keeping an eye on what is, or probably more to the point, what isn't, isn't happening. I think people get so excited about this deadline day and the, the media make such a massive thing about it, but very rarely anything exciting happens, does it? No, I've been listening to uh, deadline day all day. Um, or as they call it at Berwick Rangers, Thursday. So, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, but on on um, TalkSport, my, my, my newfound love, TalkSport, although they have got John Motson working for him on commentaries, which worries me, but... Um, Still time for us, then. <laughs> yes, once by 93, there's a job for us. <laughs> Bless him. So, um, TalkSport is, is, is all well and good, but they've got this bang, breaking news jingle. And then it goes, Sheffield United have signed somebody on loan. <laughs> and you think, it's desperate. It, 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 is, it is absolutely <laughs> desperate. But if you want breaking news, Peter Crouch has signed for Burnley. Yes. Can you imagine being a Burnley fan? It really would. Yeah, I'm nothing against Peter Crouch. His, no. wife's, his wife's a good dancer, but, you know... Um, no, but, uh, I mean, nothing against Peter Crouch whatsoever, and he's come up with the best quote ever about a f from a footballer. Somebody said to him, well, Peter, what do you think you'd be if you weren't a footballer? And he said, a virgin. And I, I, I thought that was terrific. <laughs> but, as a Burnley fan, you get rid of Sam Vaults and you get in Peter Crouch's replacement and he's supposed to be a Premiership football club. Hmm. Whoa. Newcastle broke their um, record, finally. After 14 years? Yes, uh, Michael Owen's the last one, wasn't he? 16.5 million. 16, this, this chap from Paraguay has cost him 20 million quid, but 20 million quid these days is for an average player. Well, he actually cost 27 million uh, American dollars, which equates to 20.2 million pounds. You listen to too much radio. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I've been sort of looking up. You know, if you if, if you listen to one man, he is going to be the best player in the Premier League. What is his, the left foot is fantastic. He is going to be a breath of fresh air. And then you listen to the next one saying, "No, nah, you won't hack it in the Premier League." <laughs> but <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, you've, you've you've got these days. What does twenty point two million pounds? Well, it doesn't, does it? That's, this is it. just the point. It no. doesn't. It bring it, it buys you an average. It is just, Player. you know, it it gets you Chad Evans, doesn't it? Yeah, as you a, know, as opposed to, you know, it, it, I a do, world. I, I mean, the money is, is is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Fellaini is on his way to China by all accounts. Mm, yeah, Shangdong, and and he's thrilled about it. Is he? Yeah, he um, apparently only because um, he'd be the tallest person there. <laughs> <laughs> That's just his hair. <laughs> but apparently, he's had his hair. Well, but he's I, had it cut. I, I, he's had it chopped off. I, I, I just wonder whether it might have the same um, detrimental effect that uh, you know, <laughs> had historically with pe previous people having their hair cut. <laughs> you know, Jurgen Klopp. Okay, everybody was saying that Liverpool would won the league after the Geordies beat Manchester City. It's a mere formality. Liverpool are going to beat Leicester and they're going to win the league. Not a problem. It's done. Leicester and no mugs anymore. And the Premier League, you have to work hard to win a game. Mm. And I, I still think Liverpool would have taken five points in front of Manchester City at the end of January if, it, if, oh, that, yeah. if, that, if that was offered before the first game had been played. So I won't get too excited. But at half-time, they swept the half of the pitch that they was going to play, the goal they was playing towards, mm. and left the half of the pitch. Yeah. Now, I don't like that if i was a liverpool keeper i wouldn't <laughs> i don't like no <laughs> i really don't like that I, that that is taking gamesmanship one step too far to me y yes but um at the end of the game at the end of the one all drop there were five points clear or they are five points clear which is still a massive psychological margin but the guy has been getting you know the, the Getting a hell of a lot of criticism, Claude Puel at Leicester City. I don't know what his team his team talk was like at half time, but it was a different Leicester City that came out in the second half. And all those people that that sort of pan Puel 
This is the one that won at Chelsea. He, won, he went to Chelsea and, 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 and was it Chelsea? He took Leicester 2 and won at Christmas time. He's had some decent results. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what people want anymore. It, com- it comes across on telly as, as, as not very, very interesting. And and even in sort of interviews, so does the greatest tennis play, tennis player we've ever had. Yeah, but but I mean, like sort of on focus on is also boring. I mean, after match, you know, I mean, yeah, fair enough. People can be a bit dour or whatever, or a bit monosyllabic. But if you come across as a bit boring on on, fo- on you know sort of football focus, which is there basically like sort of autobiographies as a chance to promote yourself as your character. Then, it, then something is, is a bit amiss. But his team were rubbish in the first half against Liverpool and could have been about four or five nil down. I'm just looking to see who monosyllabic is time for. <laughs> but Powell's half-time team talk must have been dynamite because Leicester was superb in the second half. Virgil Gomez has gone from Forest to County on loan. I think he went in from the bird one, was it Virgil from the bird one? <laughs> <laughs> but, and if you thought that name was bad enough, the chap that's gone from Swansea to Ma- Macclesfield is Botty by eBay. Really? Yes. Oh, I, I hope it gets better. <laughs> um, Must be horrible having that. So, I didn't like that. what happened at Liverpool last night. No. I don't like the fact that Klopp is blaming them. I mean, come down to Newark and play at Stephen Park or Lincoln Road or somewhere. These people are the best footballers in the world. Just because it's not a green carpet they should still be able to play football it's the same for both sides for god's sake mm, I, 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 it's not an excuse I, I, I don't think he was looking to, for an excuse from the pitch I think he was trying to sort of you know use a smoke screen to disguise the fact that everybody expected Liverpool to uh, yeah. win handsomely last night and um, it wasn't exactly a Steve Gerrard versus Chelsea moment but it, it, it certainly was not to script once again. No, everybody building up too much talking about Chelsea. They should never get beat 4-0 at Bournemouth. And for the manager then to turn around saying, maybe I am not able to motivate these players, he can't be there much longer, can he? Surely. Well, he really hasn't impressed, has he? You know, I mean, he's really had some strange, disappointing things to... I mean, like... God forbid, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd, I'd want him out the door. He's rubbish. There's not many more they can have in there. They've been through that many. No, but is... Have Mourinho um, back? He's available. Oh, I mean, if Darren Ferguson's back at Peterborough, God knows why well, okay, Mourinho. Mourinho's... You know, <laughs> Mourinho surely's the next man down the, uh, down the bridge. I wasn't going to do that, but it's been the same owners at Peterborough for a long time. So these same owners have already sacked him twice. Hmm. Or got rid of him twice, or he's got on to greater things, I don't know. But he's, he's left him twice. A third time? Well, his dad was at Manchester United for 25 years. Darren's just doing it with a little break in between each few years. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably be at... Uh, at but it was, it was no surprise that Steve Evans didn't last long, was it? No, he's a very volatile character. You know, he's... Uh, but, I mean, um, Peterborough kicked him and his uh, assistant out. Two hours later, the new manager was in. You know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Mansfield Town are doing quite well without Steve Evans, aren't they? Yeah. So that wasn't a bad Mansfield, I, I, was, I was very surprised when they went up to second. I didn't think they were that close. I was just, um, just take you back to what I said, and I've got to say it again, because I, I was chuckling all weekend, a tweet from Rennie Shaw Rovers, who Collingham played a couple of weeks ago. Our home support are back from holiday, and I've convinced a bloke from the local chippy to come down and watch us. Yeah. So I'm expecting a good crowd. The crowd, <laughs> was, the crowd was actually 54. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it, isn't that non-league football? Yeah. You know, he really is non-league football. I mean, I saw a tweet today about Flosev. Gutted, gutted Tuesday night's match was off. I'd bought a new drum ready. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's what local football's <laughs> all about. Well, good old Millie, he brought, uh, he brought Derek the drum down and, and Derek failed miserably on his debut and um, got, um, got kicked and, and left. Yes, he didn't come over as a Ringo star, though, didn't he? No, let's be honest. No, and and now, um, <laughs> so this is total, total tangent again. Ringo Starr. Uh, John Lennon was once asked if Ringo Starr was the best drummer in the world, 
and John Lennon said he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, Millie's gotten up to beat, really, but uh, apparently this new drum is a beauty. <laughs> He's just going to get games to play, and uh, mm. we'll talk about that in, in a couple of minutes. Huddersfield scored 29 goals in 2018. Manchester City scored 31 in, two fa in January <laughs> 2019. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, that, that, that was the start of the week, wasn't yeah. it? And Stoke have scored three of their last 11 penalties. Do you think Peter Crouch was a penalty taker, then? No, it's... Um... I I've always had loads and loads of time for Peter Crouch, but do you know his, his actually his international record is more impressive than that of yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the likes of Michael Owen, Alan Shearer, in terms of goals per game? Did you know he was the 26th player ever to score 100 Premiership goals, or Premier League goals, let's call it, yeah. let's get it right, so, uh, and, uh, and, and he did the world famous robot dance when he did it. Yeah, he... Yes, uh, Burnley signed him on the back of that. He is going to try and play football for as long as he possibly can, as he should, because he's a damn sight, long time retired, but... You know, you, you think about this. There's, there's a facts and figures just coming up on the screen now. Crouch has scored 108 Premier League goals. That's one behind Lukaku and one behind Ryan Giggs. And only 152 behind Alan Shearer. And if he scores for Burnley, he will equal the record of Craig Bellamy for scoring goals in the most number of Premiership clubs, which Premier is seven. League. Premier League clubs, which is seven. Seven different clubs. So one last stat, the best ever manager in his first 100 league matches for a club, which to me makes him the best manager in the, in, in, in the Premier League history. Yeah. So if you work out points for games in that first 100 league games... Pep, Manchester City, 234 points. Jose Mourinho, the first time around at Chelsea, 237. Yeah. Which makes Jose Mourinho the best manager the Premier League has ever known. And before he answers, we're going for an ad break. OK, we're going to um, have our Wednesday whinge on a Thursday in a couple of moments. But I've got one more story I've picked up this week. And it's, um, it's Paul Lins. And Paul Ince has been telling everybody of the time that um, he faced up to Alex Ferguson. Oh, yeah. And apparently he'd, he'd <laughs> lost possession in the last minute of the match at Norwich, when Norwich was <laughs> right at the top there. And it very nearly cost Norwich. Yeah. It nearly cost United a goal. When they walked off the pitch congratulating themselves that they'd won 3-1, Fergie went absolutely ballistic. And once they got into the dressing room... Can, the, I, can, I, can I just... Clarify this: They were three-one up, and it was in the ninety-second minute, and there was nobody on for an obvious pass. So Paulins went on amazing, and then and that's when he got into bother. Yeah. Anyway, so they got back in the in in the dressing room, and um, Fergie went ballistic, and the two squared up to each other. <coughs> and Paulins then goes on to say that Brian Kidd stepped in between us, <laughs> and we didn't actually speak to each other for five days. On the Thursday, we played head tennis, and Fergie was the referee. It gets to nine all, and Brucey heads the ball up in the air, and I do an overhead kick, which hits the line to win the game. Sir Alex shouts, out. But because we wasn't speaking at the time, I couldn't say anything back to him. I looked at him, and he said, out, game over, they won. As I walked away, he said, there's only one governor around here in, say, and it ain't you. <laughs> as much as I don't like Alex Ferguson, that is brilliant. <laughs> well, as much as I do like Alex Ferguson, that just sums the guy up to a T. Absolutely brilliant. That's old school management. Yeah, yeah. Let him stew, and then yeah. let him find out Absolutely who the boss is. Absolutely brilliant. But the great thing about Sir Alex is that he also adapted, and he also over the years the reason for his longevity is because over the years he adapted to the new generation of footballer that started coming in and he was able to handle them as well because he adapted with them and he didn't stay as the uh, the sort of old style football manager he actually evolved with football and, and that's what makes him a genius mm -hmm. Never be convinced. Right, every Wednesday we have a whinge, something that's got our back up. Um, so we're going to do it on a Thursday. So it's a Wednesday whinge on a Thursday with Mr Tony Smith. 
The Deloitte rankings of the rich list of football clubs is broken up into three categories. Television earnings, commercial activities and match day takings. In English football, the highest figure of those belongs to the former and therefore I should be careful when criticising the, criticizing the influence that television has over our national game. There are many people who are not as fortunate as ourselves. The housebound, elderly or poor people are not able to attend football matches and therefore rely on the game, on the, on the pictures being streamed into their lounges in order to get their fix of the beautiful game. But keeping, keeping in the theme of the devaluation of the FA Cup, which I raised during my last rant, you only have to look at last weekend's FA Cup fourth round fixtures to realise that the most important people in football, the supporters, are the last consideration when the fixture guys get together with the TV moneymen and discuss kick-off times. Friday night's match between Arsenal and Manchester United didn't pose too many problems for the fans. The Arsenal supporters could go back to North London and the visiting fans could return to their homes in South London without much difficulty. Boom, boom! Saturday night's match between Millwall and Everton was a different matter altogether. With the visiting supporters having plenty of time for the fights captured on social media before getting the milk, tra milk train home to Merseyside on Sunday morning. They were able to relive those glorious days when the actual football was secondary to the potential of a broken nose or worse. But spare a thought for the Sheffield Wednesday fans who had to try and get home on a school night after Sunday night's game at Chelsea. And who in God's name even thought beforehand that that game might be a feast of entertainment for the television viewers? If you want a good old 3pm kick-off on a Saturday afternoon, then try non-league football. Then you can still get home to watch some football on television as well, if you wish. Or simply sleep off, sleep off the match day experience in front of the box. Hey, I mean, he's, he's, he's totally right. Who in the right mind thought Chelsea against Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> was compelling viewing? Apart from anything else, the move country file for it. Now, OK, I like country file. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the programmes I watch. And a lot of people like country file i would suggest more people watch that on a regular basis than turned on to watch chelsea and sheffield wednesday we had football on mainstream television on friday on friday night and saturday night as i like football you like football but do the british nation really want it on mainstream television three nights on the bounds because if you're not a chelsea or sheffield wednesday or millwall or everton fan you're not going to watch that are you it's not going to interest you that's why Match of the Day is so brilliant. Because mm. you get a little bit, you get the exciting bits of it all. You get too much talking in between nowadays, but you get the exciting bits of it all. But once again, television, television money, completely ruining professional football, which is why I totally agree with Tony. The place to be on Saturday afternoon is either Lowfields or Station Road or the Sports Village or any other local football ground where they're going to give 110% and they're playing football so you can watch it at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon when you should be playing football. Agreed, Mr Smith? Mm, so absolutely, completely. There you go, then. That's a Wednesday rant, a Wednesday whinge, even, on a Thursday. We're going to look back at January in a minute, but first of all, we're going to look back at what happened last weekend, and it was a, a massive great weekend that didn't totally go according to plan, but... There's some good bits, and there's some bad bits. And, well, I don't know where the good bits was. Let's start with the bad bits. Collingham lose the top-of-the-table clash to a goal in the last ten minutes at Clay Cross. Flo serves long unbeaten home record, goes up in smoke as the works endure a nightmare afternoon in front of goal against Radford. It's not all bad news, though, because Selston also lost. Now it gets better. New York Rugby Club came from behind to beat Lincoln. The boot of Matt Cox doing the damage with no less than 14 points. Wins for the hockey ladies' twos and the threes put a smile on Paul Halfpenny's face. While the men's ones beat the men's twos in a localist to local derby. Eight goals to nil. Amy Hunt returns from her senior team GB debut. 
with a third place and a PB and Chloe Hubbard comes home six in the Midlands Cross Country Championships. This is Radio Newark Sport. It didn't take long, Mr Smith, did it really, to um, strike home what happened on Saturday to flow serve can happen to the very best of them because it did on Tuesday night at St James Park yeah I mean football is a very cruel mistress I mean it um, it's never it never goes to script and anybody who knows the football anybody who's been watching football long enough will know that what happened on Saturday against Radford can happen you know, one team... It, it, was, it, was, it was just like a scene out of the Alamo. One team were just totally dominant. And, in the words of uh, Dave Bassett, couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. <laughs> and, you know, I mean... And, and the other team got a goal on 44 minutes and then retreated to their six-yard box and, um, you know, sort of saw the game out. And yeah. it was... Um, it was just... Um, it... It... it it, it, it happens. It hurts. It 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 hurt. It hurt Paul Hyde hmm. to be two 0 up with Collingham and to lose in the last five ten minutes to go to go. And you can tell he was hurt. Yeah, but um, it pa- does hurt. Paul on Monday night gave us a blow by, a blow by blow account of the game to, with such accuracy that you could have actually sort of felt that you'd seen the game yourself, but. I mean, Paul's been in the game longer than even you and me, and so, you know, he knows that, um, you know, next week it's a completely different story. We're going to look back at January, we're going to talk about um, some of the highs and the lows in a minute, but I just want to look back at, at some of the guests that we've had in the studio with us and just remember them, you know, remember them coming in. Um, uh, uh, Tyler Bird started the new year, a young a young fisherman that we're going to hear a lot more of <laughs> I think and it was nice to actually talk fishing because New- we said on, on the night that fishing in Newark 20 years ago Newark was a the hot spot oh, yeah. in England yeah. and it's don't seem to be the case but then you, you heard somebody like a 13 year old lad talking passionately about his sport and you're thinking well hang on a minute mm. this, is, this is coming back round again well, I mean, um, w- when I first moved down here to live, I actually uh, worked in uh, South Yorkshire, and uh, everybody was very, very envious when I was talking to people up in Barnsley or in, in Sheffield about the fact that I lived down in Newark. Obviously, the people w- were very envious that I was talking to were anglers. And, well, you know, you, you live in the mecca of angling, and you don't go fishing yourself. I said, well, no, just... Obviously, most of my my time is spent travelling, you know, either to work or back from work, and then, you know, you, you just crash out on the couch after a day working <laughs> 50, 60 miles away. But, um, you know, it's sort of... In those days when I started at the Advertiser then, angling was the greatest uh, participator sport. There were 10,000 people a weekend descended on the Trent. We talked about Claypole cricket club and the plight yeah they're on on under the fact that um, the long hot summer basically cost them their grand and at least for the summer of 2019 they're grand cheering with with k but at least they're still there and they're still a a club and uh, and they've actually contacted us and asked us to remind people that um if you want to join them um please do so give them an email at claypole1900 at gmail.com membership's only £20 and I'm pr- all cricket clubs available but particularly Claypole which is a village club really really struggling and we talked about sporting Claypole I, th- I think I think that was a, probably the highlight of the year you know even at such an early stage when after 23 minutes you actually got the guy's name right it took a long time didn't it <laughs> that's why I've kept well away from it tonight <laughs> I knew you'd revel in that. T- Tony, by the way. Yeah. I knew you'd revel in that. <laughs> Come on. If I'm going to make the joke, oh, yeah, at least yeah, laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To finish off the first week of the um, <laughs> season, don't don't forget, though, Claypole, if, if, you haven't, if you're not affiliated to a club, keep an eye out for Claypole. Let's try and help them the best we can, because 
we don't need to lose another village cricket club especially a village the size of claypole we really do not um you enjoyed the next night immensely because we talked about british rail football club with a couple of mates oh yeah mm, yeah it's um the georgian jock show i do i do i do like having the kids in and you know especially when they surprise us by speaking so eloquently about the sport that they love but you can't beat it when the old timers come in <laughs> i mean that is when i am in my element and and you know i've loved uh jock malarkey and george good for many many years and it was just a joy to have them in both in the studio together talking about proper football in the days when it was a contact sport actually the following week we did have some kids in we had um, the cook family in with Alistair Cook's three boys. Yeah, and we were Forest um, fans. It was an absolute joy. That it night. was. You really enjoyed that one, didn't you? What was a joy is his oldest son explaining to us the future of Nottingham Forest yeah, football exactly, club. Yeah, and I think everybody in the room and most people I've spoke to since sort of stood there with their mouths wide open, thinking. Is this coming from an 11-year-old? As he was explaining to us that, no, they're not ready to go up, and this is what we've got to do before we are ready. And I thought, well, you know, well done, young man. I hope he comes in when he's 73 and they actually get promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Sleaford Wheelers talked to us um, the next night. They they come over and um, told us all about um, their club. And what was interesting there, Tony, is, facilities-wise, they're no better off than what? the cycling clubs are in newark hmm. and you know we've been moaning our facilities and probably we know we're so better off than everybody else she was an absolute joy she was fantastic because i've always had this ability throughout my adult life to know the minute i meet someone whether we're going to get on or not and the minute she walked into the studio, we just bounced off each other like sort of old, old mates. She was absolutely hilarious, wasn't she? She was wonderful. Yeah. Absolute, absolutely wonderful. Poppy Coles came in the next night. Now, Poppy was the Newark Town under-16 <laughs> goalkeeper who's <laughs> saving up to go to Nepal. And Poppy made a chuckle as well. Poppy was very nice. And the reason that Poppy came in yeah. is that the following weekend... She was at the Everest restaurant on, on a yeah, special yeah, yeah. to try and raise some funds because it was costing a ridiculous amount for her to go and was trying to raise funds. Well, she's contacted us as well since that night and she tells me that on that night alone, she raised £1,156 <laughs> towards that trip and she's almost, apart from the odd few pence, there now. And she wishes to thank everybody who turned up on that night um, and had the meal at the Everest and the Everest people for putting it on. Thousand quid raised on the night. That's cracking going, isn't it? That, that's absolutely magic. But it uh, it did worry me. I mean, I saw a documentary about a guy who um, went and um, climbed Everest, and and it was a pretty horrific watch. I mean, he did it successfully, but when he talks about all the bodies he passed on the way and stuff from previous attempts, she's only going into the foothills. But still, when she started talking about having to wear leech socks, you know, I mean, I, I just just a sort of night out at Balderton Chippy does seem quite quite sort of entertaining <laughs> in comparison, doesn't it? Oh, I, I, I don't do foreign travel, I'm afraid. <laughs> Gareth Bagley joined us um, the following the following week. That's um, the first of his seventeen visits this year, isn't is. it? And um, <laughs> he, he he did sort of clarify what the twins has already told us that before christmas on the grove on a tuesday night those averaging 13 14 people yeah now they are banging on the door of 100 people yeah and all that is what's happening at the sports village but it is it is quite amazing um when you've been in the town and and around the sports scene for as long as i have it takes a lot to take your breath away but every time i go down and see that facility under the floodlights it is just like the first time you ever go over the brow of a hill and you see a football ground with its floodlights on and and it just it's it's just such a spine tingling experience what what we've got there is the future of a glorious glorious era in Newark sport and that took us to 
this week when um, Amy Hunt came in uh, you joined us <laughs> later when Flosey <laughs> realised what, what was fairly obvious from about four o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> that ground wasn't fit um, <laughs> um, and Amy of course with it's funny because I mean I, I said it on earlier on the show it's as if we've all known Amy for absolute years mm, mm. The, the same with Amelia mm. but Amy is 16 mm. you know and we've just she's been a regular guest here since we started and when we was doing the the, the pre-transmission shows um and it was her first ever senior England vest in Hungary and as she was saying she was racing against a 29 year old who'd been to the Olympics yeah it's just uh, what she was saying because uh, as, as you say I came in um, dressed for the Arctic and came into a warm studio and um, <laughs> got a free sauna for about uh, 23 minutes I think that that, that evening um what she was saying about uh, the tension, stopping her getting a PB. People who get nerves before a sporting event, that's a good thing, because it heightens the performance. If you're nervous, a lot of footballers are sick before a game. If you've got that pre-match tension, it's a good thing, because you go out there and go bang once you cross the white line and you give it your all. But she was getting tension to the point of, you know, she couldn't eat, she felt sick before going out there to perform. And it was very, very interesting what she told us in that the minute she had a chat with the mum and dad and they said, look, stop trying so hard, just go out there and enjoy it. And the minute she did that, she knocked two tenths of a second off, yeah. off, off, you know, off, off a PB. And, and so you've got to get the balance right because... Sport is not the be-all and end-all of anything. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. What matters is being healthy, <coughs> mentally and physically healthy. That's what matters. Being in love is what matters. And like, sort of sport means absolutely nothing compared to all that. So why then, but after that wonderful... Hang on, after that wonderful speech there, you know, after really got on your soapbox and a wonderful speech from you, at five o'clock last Saturday... Uh, uh, last Saturday nobody could speak to you and you got and your face looks like a bear with a sore but but for those that <laughs> sport does mean something to then you know it is the best gift you could get in the world and i've had 58 years loving sport and and hopefully i've got a few to come yet but but i mean like so when you win it's important not to get too high and when you lose, it's important not to get too low. That's that's and, profound and good. And if you can face it with that equilibrium, you're going to enjoy a lifetime of it. And last night, to, to finish off the month and to follow on from what Tony's just been saying, the Striders came in for something wonderful <laughs> that they do called um, run and talk, walk and talk, whichever you want to do. Um, and it was a follow-on from what Amy was saying. Sometimes, just sometimes... You need somebody to talk to. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I said was that if you um, if you break your leg, somebody gives you crutches. Put a plaster on, give you crutches, and then when you go out into the street, people look at you and go, Oh, you all right? What have you, what have you been up to, mate? Should have taken more water with it? Or whatever. But you get sort of a human reaction and response. If you've got a mental health problem, you can look absolutely superb to the next person. You can put stuff on. You know, like sort of, ah, you can't be him with with those problems because he's such a laugh and sort of the life and soul of the party. You're just hiding stuff. But I mean, the the uh, as I said last night, the crutch for a person with a mental health issue could be just a phone call, could be just a casual conversation with somebody, or it could be something you hear over the radio on a radio show, and then suddenly you realise that out there there actually are people that do care, and what Striders is doing is absolutely phenomenal absolutely brilliant club so on the back of all the guests that we've had in january we've also been trying to keep you up to speed in what's been going off in the great wide world of radio newark sport flosa bowed out of the county cup lost at home for the first time in 18 months but are still looking odds on for successive promotions collingham beat retford the first defeat for them but lost at clay cross 
and they've not applied for step six. I'll come back to that in a minute. A win on the road for Newark Town for the first time in 15 months. Two wins, a draw and a defeat represented a decent month for the rugby club. And Southall Rugby Club, thankfully, <laughs> are beginning to pick up as well. Yeah. Amy Hunt, we've just spoke about, made her England debut. And Chloe Hubbard, well, we've said everything about Chloe, but she's had a phenomenal month. So, either running or footballing or rugby and the hockey people are just easing back into it February's a big month for the hockey club as a on a you know taking the whole thing Tony January had its downers but you expect that but I think at the end of January it wasn't a bad month I think we've got a hell of a lot achieved in the space of a month you know in, in, in Newark's sporting world because um, you know there were some some pluses and unbearable um, minuses, really, weren't there? You know, I mean, it's uh, nobody had a setback they can't overcome. There's still time left in the seasons, you know, that stretching ahead of them, and um, you know, it's um, it bodes well for February, doesn't it? Ah, you know, I, it's almost here we go again, isn't it? You know, if you draw yeah. the line in January, right? You know, here we go again. And so far, the weather's not really intervened too badly. It's, mm. it's had a couple of digs, but it, it's not been as bad as it could be. So, um, so um, I've gone down the line and decided in January, in all the months this year, we're going to have our, we're going to have some monthly awards, nice monthly yeah. awards, um, to go on to our Wall of Fame for 2019. And I've, I, I, I've got the, um, the committee who's sitting and spent hours and hours working out who's won. That, that's you. Though. That's me. Yeah. It's a yeah. good job you got those voices. It is, isn't it? Mm. So, um, first of all, um, I've gone for the team performance of the month. Now, the team performance of the month could quite easily have been Collingham at Retford. Quite easily. But it's gone to RHP Colts. <laughs> I saw such a fantastic match at, at, <laughs> at the Sports Village, and I, I, it will be a long time before I forget it. They come from 1-0 behind and 3-1 behind to beat a Grimsby team that had played 10 and won 10. Um, and they won it 5-4 yeah. at the end of the day. And it was an absolutely fantastic afternoon of total commitment from 22 under 15-year-olds. Uh, and it was... The only downside of the old afternoon is some of the Grimsby youngsters decided at the end of the match to storm off and storm out and wait for Daddy outside in the car park, which, you know... Um, no. Gary Atwood took his team back into the middle and said, right, this is where we nearly lost it. Yet the other lot just stormed out and I thought, well, I'd rather know I'd want my son with. <laughs> um, on the answer. So, um, Gary Atwood and the RHP under-15s are our team of the month. The individual performance of the month, it's got to go to Amy. It really has, because if you put an England vest on, an England shirt on, an international shirt of any description, for the first ever time, and pick up a bronze medal and a personal best, <laughs> that's got to go down as a decent weekend, hasn't it, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that is, uh, that's, that's got to be up there, yeah. Our, or my moment of the month, because, you know, on Saturdays and Sundays, I just trawl around looking at hockey and rugby and football and whatever else there is out there and all the reports that come in and I picked one moment in January and that was a moment of Flo Serves number nine who plays on the left wing <laughs> who got the ball on the left wing about 30 yards out <laughs> and I, I, I was looking straight at him and he looked up and that's what made it for me he looked up to see where the keeper was and promptly lobbed him from 30 yards and the ball just settled in the back of the net. And I'll tell you what, if that goal had been scored by whoever for Chelsea or Liverpool or Man United, it would be goal of the season. Because it's been scored in a local football match on a Saturday afternoon, nobody knows anything about it, and they should do. But as well as the first look to see where the keeper was, <coughs> just as important in that little sequence was his second look, which was at Kirky and Roche on the bench. I were about to yell at him, take it in the corner, take it in the corner. <laughs> and he just looked at him and went, and? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, when you are one nil up with one minute left, yeah. The goalkeeper had caught it and bowled it out. So, because of this sheer cheek and the fact he got away with it, because if you get away with that, it's brilliant, isn't it? The keeper catches it, it's... You're the, uh, on the other you, win the, you yeah. win the other award, don't you? <laughs> but he doesn't, so he wins the moment of the month. Yeah. But the sports star in Newark uh, for January is Chloe Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Gold medals at the senior race at the Lynx County um, Cross Country Championships and gold medal in the North <laughs> Midlands League and a sixth place finish in the Midlands Championships, which is the highest mm. ever finish in that in its history by a New York Athletic Club senior runner. Mm. She's got to be the sports star of January. So that's Chloe. So that's the four awards for January. Let's see what everybody can do in February. That starts this weekend, where we've met in, and that's what we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. Quote of the night from Tony Smith. I've always got an opinion on something. It comes from Yorkshire. <laughs> of course he's got an opinion. Right. Um, February tomorrow. Mm. So let's see who's going to be the stars of February, shall we? And the weekend commences tomorrow evening with the bad boy. Bailey Sugden is in Houston, Texas, no less. Is he? Um, fighting on the glory card. Now, I think Bailey needs a victory on the glory card because he's had two fantastic fights, the last two, and he's lost them both. It's time for Bailey to, yeah. to win one now. He, 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 he certainly impressed the people that hold the, uh, the, the the power strings, if we can put yes. it that way, at glory. I mean, he's gone in there, he's fought above his... Yeah. Stack is probably the wrong way of putting it. He's, you know, above his level, and he's very, come very close on both occasions, causing an upset. But, but I'd just like to see him cause an upset now. But there's only one thing that really counts in sport, and that's a W. Exactly. Yeah. So let's just hope that Friday night he gets that... He gets that. Mm. Don't forget the following Friday night. We're all at Farndon for the, for oh, the local yeah. boys, so don't yeah. forget that one. Right. <clears throat> Slightly more local. Are we getting in on the press ticket? Yes. No, you don't have to pay. You'll be all well, right. That, 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 I'll be there. Slightly more local. Flow server looking to bounce back after last week's home defeat. Uh, they entertain Leicestershire side Ingalls. Actually, there's another point to prove here, isn't there, Tony? Mm. They got beat at Ingalls, and that defeat, that stupid 1-0 defeat out there, is the one that could cost him the championship. That defeat could well be the game that wins him the championship because after that game, Flowserve realised, hang on a minute, this step six isn't just a doddle. We're going to have to do something about it. Maybe, this. maybe. We're going to have to dig deep. And the following 16 games, they won 15 of them, scoring 70 goals and conceding 11. Maybe you're right, but with those extra three points, it'd have been top of the table. Anyway, whatever, but they've got to do it without Sam Agar. The man who got out moment of the month. Um, he's um, he's suspended. He's um, he asked too many referees what their name is, and they keep asking him what his name is. And um, unfortunately, there's only one winner there, isn't they? Anyway, Sam's not played. <laughs> Three o'clock at Lowfields. If you want to watch that one, Collingham are another side that need to get over a disappointing result. Um, winning the Central Midlands North Division is out of their hands at the moment. There's lots of games to go, obviously. They play against Dromfield, who's got a new manager, so they've probably got a new team, um, and they need to win that to put the pressure back on the, ti- the other title contenders and be in there with a shout. But we're running out of time, so I'll, I'll talk about them not applying for Step 6 and the reasons why an- an- another day. Um, in other football, New York Town are without a match for the second week running. Flow Serve Reserves travel to Bingham Town, and Flow Serve Reserves are now top of the pack in the NSL Division 2 title race, which is a very tight title race because all three top teams are on 47 points. So they've <laughs> yeah, got a, yeah. there's a lot to go there. Southall City, who've dropped down to second, they host Gedlin Southbank in the Knotts Senior League. And um, if you look at that table, at the moment, there looks like only one winner of the Not Senior League, and they could be playing Step 6 football next year, and that's Tony's friends from Stapleford. <laughs> silence. Absolute silence. Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah, better. Farndon Colts entertained Skegby for the second week running, <laughs> this time in a cup quarter-final. The league match last week at the Magnus, this is at Magnus as well, the league match finished 2-2, with Farndon Colts equalising in the 94th minute. Sam Richards... Well, the goalkeeper won't won't be a happy bunny because he sort of dived over it. 
Um, but no, no. Sam Richards in the 94th. Collingham under-18s play Cleethorpes under-18s at Station Road Sunday morning for a place in the County Cup final, no less. Those two sides played at Cleethorpes last week. Isn't it funny how mm. these back-to-back matches keep appearing? Um, at Cleethorpes, and that was one all, but uh, Jerry tells me there was a sort of 60-mile-an-hour wind blowing down the beach that was playing on. Um, and when they get back to a proper football pitch, Collingham will win easily. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have a ride out to see. Newark Rugby Club travel to Long Eaton. Um, six points and one pr- and one play separate the clubs. While there's another major test of Southwell's in recent improved form when they travel to second place, Dronfield. I think the Dronfield thing for Southwell is that anything is brilliant. After the Dronfield games, they've got a run of, on paper, easier games. Newark mid table. The cup is half full, according to Rob, and it is very much half full at the moment. Uh-huh. And who knows, they could come back from Long Eaton with another good point all. Um, a busy weekend for the hockey club begins um, with the return of the ladies' ones after their extended Christmas break, which lasted the whole of January. 10.30, home start against Ashbourne, assuming it's not frosted off. The men's ones host West Bridgeford at Newen, followed by the men's twos against Chesterfield at 2 o'clock. On to athletics and a massive, massive weekend. I'm not going to get through this lot. Uh, cross-country running with the British universities at Exeter. That's the likes of Linton Taylor. The Anglian schools at Corby. Why you have the Anglian schools in the middle of Northamptonshire is on the beach, me. <laughs> the Knott schools at Woolerton Park. And on Sunday, the third round of the cross-country league at Colic Park. And the Rosby Ripper, which apparently is a nine-mile rough terrain event um, where you end up with a lot of very tired legs, I'm told. So start of the county championships for our swimmers, that's Saturday and Sunday, and round two of the Women's League for the Jaguars Wheelchair Basketball Club. <sighs> mm. Now, the only thing that's going to put a dampener on all that is if it stops frosty. Yeah, the forecast is not good. It's not going to get any warmer than it was today. Um, so... <clears throat> That, that could um, rather mess up the uh, certainly the the stuff that's played on the on on on, on pitches. I think the runners should be okay, athletic, oh, athletics wise. The runners will love the conditions. Firm, firm so, so swimmers should be all right. Swimmers, swimmers are going to be good, and the wheelchair basketball players will be happy enough. Yeah, um, I'm not so sure. The problem, I mean, the problem at the hockey is when they built the the old folks' home which put that corner of the hockey pitch in shade all the time. The problem at Lowfields is when they built the new pavilion, the corner bit of that is in the shade all the time, and if it gets no sun on it, it ain't going to D4. And and, and the sun's not going to be of much use over the next uh, three days. And I wouldn't want to be a rugby player in these conditions. No. Um, I really wouldn't. Anyway, we're about out of time. Tony, it's been great having a bicker and a chat. Um, we're back on Monday with the guys, hopefully, talking about a full weekend's sport. Let's get the weather right, please. But um, from me, from Tony, and from Radio New York Sport, enjoy your sport. Whatever happens, don't forget to smile. We are-